But, you know, as uh, Ryland said, we're closing out our Unstuck series. We're in part nine. If you've missed any of them or if you're visiting today and, and would like to know more about this series, uh, we have CDs at the information table, or you can go to rockbrook.org and download those. But we've been looking at the acts of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit uh, as laid out uh, to us by the Apostle Paul in Galatians 5. And uh, throughout this series, uh, Pastor Kelly's been asking us to read the verse verses along with him, so I want to continue that this morning. So let's, let's read together. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So we have this conflict raging in our life. And we all feel it. And uh, it, we have this flesh that we're born with. And it, it seeks to gratify itself. And Pastor Kelly's even been taken a step further and says that the flesh doesn't only want to uh, gratify itself. Uh, it wants to destroy us. You know, left to itself, left the, the flesh left to its own devi- the devices and desires uh, seeks to destroy us. Let's look at what the flesh does if it gets a chance. Let's read this together. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Oh man, are you worn out? That's where the flesh wants to take us. Those things are destructive. That's why we're in this mess at every level. Uh, Politically, uh, emotionally, economically, things are, are getting messed up. You know, personally, locally, and globally, if you've turned on the TV in the last couple of days, things are are messed up. But thank God that this passage of Scripture doesn't end here. Paul goes on with one of the most amazing words in the Bible, and he says, but. And that little word is very powerful. It's tremendously powerful when it's in the Bible. But the word but basically means just disregard everything I just said. And I know you've experienced this in your own life. Yes, sir, I know it says it was guaranteed for life, but. Yes, sir, I know we said we could fix it, but. Yes, ma'am, I know we said you were covered for this, but. We've all experienced that. You know, but means disregard everything I just said. People will make these long statements and then end it with but. And oftentimes, but can be a disappointing word. You know, I, um, I said we were going to go deer hunting, but. I thought I'd be home in time for supper, but. Um, I thought you were going to get a tax refund, but. But, see how this works in the passage of Galatians 5? But is a great big positive word. Paul says the acts of the flesh are obvious. We know that this is very real. We experience it in our own life. And sometimes we feel like there's nothing I can do about it. I feel this tension, but, but there's nothing I can do about it. 
And then Paul lays out for us a whole different way to live. Let's read this together. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Amen. Let's all go home. I mean, it just feels good to read that passage. I mean, it's a shorter list. It's not as long as the other one. It just feels so good. It breathes life when you read it. So we don't have to live out the acts of the flesh. Instead, we can bear the fruit of the Spirit. But that only happens when we as believers choose to crucify the flesh, yield ourselves to the Spirit, walk in the Spirit so we don't have to fulfill the desires of the flesh. So today we've come to the fruit of the Spirit called self-control. Now I want you to hear me out on this. Now self-control is not the power for you to be in more control of yourself. Because that's what we've been talking about. We don't want you to be in more control because you're going to get more messed up. So the fruit of the Spirit is that the Spirit controls your life. It's not that, it's not that, y- that yourself is in control. It's that you are under the control of the Spirit. That's what we're talking about today. That's what activates the but in Galatians 5. The victory comes when we crucify the self and we yield ourselves to the control of the Spirit. So self-control. How does God help me with self-control? Uh, I just love this passage. Uh, Proverbs twenty-five twenty-eight. A person without self-control is like a house with its doors and windows knocked out. Now just picture this for a minute. Picture your own house with all the windows and all the doors, the garage doors, they're all knocked out. What's wrong with a house like that? It's unprotected. It's vulnerable. If you have no self-control, you are vulnerable to personal and internal attacks. You are vulnerable to every emotion that flows over your life, like things like anger, fear, jealousy, greed, anxiety, lust. If you have no self-control, you are vulnerable to attacks from the outside. Every negative or impure influence that comes into your path finds an entry point into your life because it's not guarded. You're vulnerable. And that's why we end up living a life that is obvious, that are the obvious acts of the flesh that the Scripture talks about. But that is not how God wants us to live. The Bible offers us an alternative over and over again. Let's look at this passage in 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. We don't have to have a spirit of fear. When we bear the fruit of the Spirit, we don't have to fear being attacked from the inside or the outside. God gives us a spirit of power, and and the word power here is the same word as dynamite. It's powerful. It's explosive. It's the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And then he talks about love. The word for love is the word agape, and it's the same word that's used in the fruit of the Spirit. But this is a different kind of love. It's not a relational love. It's not a brotherly love. It's not a sexual love. It's, it's a 
totally committed love. It's, it's faithful love. It's God's kind of love. And the word self-control is also uh, translated as self-discipline. And discipline is what is practiced by a disciple. Now, today we don't use the word disciple. We use the word Christian in place of disciple. But when we become a disciple of Christ, when we say we are a disciple of Jesus Christ, we are saying that we practice the disciplines of Jesus Christ. We choose not to do what we want to do. We choose to do what Christ calls us to do. We choose to do what He's shown us to do in His earthly ministry. So self-control, self-discipline, crucifying the flesh, walking in the Spirit. This is a whole new way of living for us. This way of living does not come natural to us. This way of living does not flow out of us. It has to be learned. We have to be trained to live this way. And the power to live this way doesn't come from us. The power comes from God. And this is what's so refreshing about this. It's not what, what I muster up on my own. It's not my own willpower. God gives me the power to live this way. So I want to talk to you about this concept of self-control, self-discipline, and how uh, that works in your life. You know, how does God help us with self-control? Now, how many of you uh, in here have been a child? Okay, good. Uh, and perhaps some of you are parents and you have children, so you're going to get this, this picture that's used in this scripture, the, 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 scripture, the, the parent-child relationship, and then how God relates to us. So let's look at this in Hebrews 12, 6-10. In this all-out match against sin, others have suffered far worse than you. To say nothing, nothing of what Jesus went through, all that bloodshed, So don't feel sorry for yourselves, or have you forgotten how parents treat children and that God regards you as his children? My dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline, but don't be crushed by it either. It's the child he loves that he disciplines, the child that he embraces, he also corrects. So as we we go through the rest of this, I want you to notice how discipline and love go together. The loving thing for God to do, the loving thing for you and I to do to each other, the loving thing for a parent to do to a child is not allow ourselves to live out the act of the flesh. The loving thing to do is to discipline each other so that we don't live like the flesh. Now, this is the part that I don't like, and I'm sure you don't either. I don't like discipline. You know, and, and the word discipline here means to train with a whip. And this, this is difficult. It's a painful process and sometimes involves suffering. But I think this, this really, what God's trying to tell us here is that this is the gravity that we face. We, he wants us to live the fruit of the Spirit. He wants that to be produced in our lives. But we don't like to live like that. Our flesh really doesn't like it. We want God to coddle us. We, are, we want God to pamper us. We want God to indulge us. And in fact, that's the dilemma that we're in. I mean, if we are really honest about this, we don't, we don't want God to change our sin. You know, we want God to overlook our sin, kind of just wink at it and say, you know, Tom, it, it's okay. My son, my son died for that. It's no big deal. You know, we want God to approve our sin. Often, you know, we'll try to find somebody. Hey, uh, do you approve of this? You know, find another Christian. 
hey, is it okay for me to do this? But God calls us to crucify our flesh, not just justify our sin. God calls us to control, to discipline, to crucify our flesh. We really don't like that. But but let's read the rest of this. God is educating you. That's why you must never drop out. You can't give up. You've got to keep coming to the weekend services. You've got to get into a small group. You need to take growth track. You need to get on a dream team. You need to be plugged in. Don't give up on those things. He's treating you as dear children. This trouble you're in isn't punishment. I really want you to hear that. This isn't about punishment. It's training the normal experience of, a, of, of children. You know, children are innocent. But children are immature. Children need to be trained. They need to be disciplined. And that's the relationship we have with, this, with our Heavenly Father. And I want you to know there's a difference between punishment and discipline. You know, punishment is for past behavior. And the Bible tells us that Jesus has paid for our past behavior. He took the punishment of our past behavior. Discipline is about the future. Let's keep reading. Only irresponsible parents leave children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer an irresponsible God? We respect our own parents for training and not spoiling us. So why not embrace God's training so we can truly live? While we were children, our parents did what seemed best to them. But God is doing what is best for us. Training us to live God's holy best. That's what God wants for us. Our holy best. That's the fruit of the Spirit. So there on your outline, God allows some things to happen to us in order to train us. Hebrews 12, 11 says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Man, can I get an amen for that? Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You know, who loves the child more? The father that just lets the child do whatever he wants and those things bring harm to him? Or the father who trains and disciplines his son so he doesn't have to live like the acts of the flesh. It's never pleasant to be corrected and disciplined by God, but his discipline is a sign of his deep love for us. His discipline shows us how much he cares for us. And we just need to ask the question, God, what are you trying to teach me at this moment? What are you wanting me to get? Then next, there in your outline, our response to discipline will determine how much we benefit from it. So there's a proper way to respond to discipline. Let's look at Job 5.17. Blessed is the one whom God corrects. So do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. You know, we can uh, respond to discipline, God's discipline, in several ways. Uh, one way is we can accept it with resignation. So God disciplines us and we can say, I drop out. I give up. I'm done. I'm not putting up with this. I resign. Or um, we can think, I really don't deserve this. Somebody else made me do this. 
Or we can be angry and resent God for it. You know, we focus more on the discipline than we do about my own actions. And so we resent God and we get angry at God. And then the, the final way, the best way, is we can accept it gratefully as the appropriate response toward a loving father. So let me reread Job 5.17. Blessed is the one whom God corrects. How many of you want God's blessing? Right. So do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. God wants the very best for us. God wants to bless us. And then next on your outline, God is more loving and demanding than any parent. Deuteronomy 8, 5-6 says, Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to Him and revering Him. You know, God is not only a disciplining parent, but He is a demanding coach who pushes us to our limits. He wants us to be disciplined. He wants us to have victory in our life. So He pushes us. And sometimes we feel like that we can't obtain that. But what he, he asks us to do is to lean on Christ. Lean on the strength of Jesus Christ. He says, follow Him. Follow Christ. Draw upon His strength. And then as we grow in our own strength, we can help those around us that are, are struggling and that are weak. And this is so awesome. God wants us to become unstuck so we can help others that are stuck. God wants us to be self-controlled by yielding ourselves to the control of the Spirit. It's not our will. It's His will be done. God allows some things to happen to us to train us. Our response to His training and discipline will determine how much we benefit from it. And God is more loving and more demanding than any parent. God wants the very best for us. He wants us to become like His Son. He wants us to be righteous. He wants us to be disciples that practice the discipline of Jesus Christ. He wants our holy best so we can live the simple life. A life, a, a, a good life. A life that bears fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what God wants for us. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we, we want more of Your Spirit. We want more self-control. And today we yield our lives to the control of the Spirit. We want our lives to produce fruit that breathes new life into ourselves and, and those around us. Father, we want Your training, Your discipline, and we make the decision today to accept Your discipline with a grateful heart. We praise You that You love us more than a parent. We praise You that You don't leave us to continue to live in the flesh. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and you want to be a disciple of Christ, you want to be a Christian, you want to receive 
this power that he offers you, this love that he offers you, this, this, this self-control that he offers. You know, maybe, maybe you feel like your life is out of control and you don't know what to do next. I just want to encourage you to just first, just A, admit. Admit that your life is out of control. That you've gone your own way. And then B, believe. Believe in Jesus Christ. God has given you this free gift of salvation through His Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and paid the punishment for your, for your sin, for going your own way. And believe that He raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That resurrection proves that God has the power to resurrect your life. To bring control into your life. And then I just, I just pray like I did when I accepted Christ. that I, I made this decision to just to make God the president, the CEO of my life. I just yielded to Him and say, God, have my life. Take control of it. Just pray this with me. My Heavenly Father, Father, I admit I've gone my own way. I've blown it. Father, I believe in Your Son, Jesus Christ, I believe that He paid for my sins. I believe that You want the very best for me. So Father, right now, I surrender. I give up. Please, take my life. You own it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.